You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 15. Backseat Driver. Summary. This is so not Aizawa's day. Hello? This is Warden Tanaka speaking. You're not gonna like this. Aizawa gives the warden nominal warning he's due, catching a, what? Who's calling? Before he hands the phone over to Shinso. Hello, warden. Shinso delivers in his most velvet tone. Remember me? Dr. Shinso's... Yes. Well, I have another request for you. There's a fairly long pause, and then Shinso frowns. But last time... He stops again as if being talked over, and this is exactly what Aizawa thought would happen. Aizawa holds his hand out for the phone again, fingers twitching impatiently. After a brief, I can do this, resistance, Shinso hands it back with an exasperated look of something not working out the way he thought it would. I did say you weren't going to like this, Aizawa reiterates. This is a near mirror of Shinso's earlier exchange with Aizawa on this subject, so it's only fair he passed the misery along. It was a racer head, wasn't it? The warden says, full of stuffing that Aizawa will rip out of him before long. I told the boy already, you caused enough of a disturbance in my prison. What if I were to inform you the good doctor has just become a person of interest in a homicide investigation? Aizawa says with the cool of an arctic cucumber. Would you prefer for me to talk to the police and come back with a warrant, or for us to make another nice, low-profile visitation to on your terms? There's a promising pause. So that's how you want to play it. We just need access, Aizawa says flatly. The paperwork you attach to it is your own choice. I suppose you want to see him right away again. Oh, that'd be helpful, Aizawa answers like it's an offer. How would tomorrow work? Excellent for you, I assume. The warden speaks with the resignation of a man who knows his best course of action is to cooperate with as much plausible deniability as possible. Come, but cover that boy up for God's sake. We don't want to ignite a media firestorm. That's the same term Nezu used, as Awa logs in some task sheet in his mind. It makes sense that the principal's sources are right at the top, too. As Awa manages a little smile, which is impressive on a hangover like Death's Ugly Cousin. You'll hardly know we were there. I certainly hope so, Eraser, the warden says forebodingly. Goodbye. Bye. Aizawa hangs up and shrugs at Shinso before slipping his phone back in his pocket. We're in. Shinso's eyes narrow as he suddenly works out the game Aizawa just made Shinso a piece in. You used me as a gambit. Aizawa's quietly pleased at how Shinso's observational skills are coming along. There are some brain boxes in Aizawa's class, but only the very best minds, so Iao Yorozu and Ida, could turn over situations like these fast enough to remain ahead of the curve, especially when it's all happening in real time. No space to go back and repeat the assignment for better marks next go-around. But while Yao Yorozu's problem is doubting herself before she acts, Shinso's is being halfway through doing whatever popped into his head before he even thinks about it. Instinct is great, just in more controlled doses. You did well at it. Izawa congratulates Shinso as a kind of appeasement tactic. Normally he wouldn't be so easygoing, but on a hangover, Izawa would rather just not with everything which actually makes more of a tolerant self than usual. Oh, that's all right then, Aizawa proffers insincerely, or Shinso pro proffers insincerely. Glad I could have, glad to have been of service to you. 
Aizawa has a few, okay, a lot of rough edges this morning, which also makes the barriers between what he thinks and says a lot more permeable. It's only after he's muttered in his scratchiest old record vinyl tone, do you really want to fuck with me today? That Aizawa wonders if it's exactly the wording to be bouncing around. Shinso, for one, looks a touch stranded by such a question. Like he knows the answer, but doesn't think he should say it. He probably shouldn't. So what Shinso does instead is leap back to business. Now what? Aizawa knows what he wants, aside from a quick and merciful death, obviously. It's my day off, he announces wearily. I'm going home. Shinso looks appalled, and Aizawa's sorry the boy has probably been looking forward to a full day of training with his hero, but this is Aizawa's day off, and that means even from Shinso sometimes. What about crimes around the clock? Heroes never quit. Everyone has a breaking point. Aizawa lectures like a drunk man staggers to hang on to a bar. Aizawa to the bar in his own apartment, last night, after trying out far too many of the cocktail inventions that Izashi had insisted on plying Aizawa and Tama with until one of them barfed. At least Aizawa made it to the bathroom. This time. Better to rest when you're able than collapse when you can't afford to. So which are you about to do? Shinso taunts back far more energetically than Aizawa's got to spare after the pitiful hours of sleep he spent on that roller coaster in his bed, head spinning with the volatile mix of alcohols coursing through his system. Even now, if Aizawa stands still and stares too long, his hangover makes the floor feel like it's ever so subtly melting. From just about anyone else, Aizawa would respond to such provocation with unrestrained vitriol. If it were Hizashi's punches, if it were Hizashi, punches would have already been thrown. But by now, Aizawa's accepted that he's entirely too soft on Shinso. Both. When Aizawa isn't leaning against something, he sways on his feet, like he's standing on the deck of a boat. What to do with a drunken sailor? Lutz Hizashi's voice in Aizawa's head while he takes another slug of one liter water pouch, doubling up his Aizawa's head while he takes another slug of the one liter water pouch, doubling up as a bit of free body padding in his jumpsuit. Then, as if he's the responsible adult between them, Shinso lifts an eyebrow and says, So whose fault is that? Hizashi's, Aizawa would claim if he were playing the blame game, or at least in a place to admit any such thing to the present company. Aizawa hadn't even wanted to go out in the first place, but Izashi convinced him. No one likes a brat, he admonishes instead, and Shinso just seems to find that even more amusing, maybe because it's something Aizawa said before, and each time he repeats it, it's less true than before. You do, he asserts so confidently that Aizawa couldn't possibly deny it. If Aizawa didn't already know what Shinso's quirk feels like, he could swear there's something more than personal persuasion at work when Shinso tips his head slightly off kilter and asks, How are you getting home? It's an innocent, it's an innocent question, so why do the hairs on the back of Aizawa's neck lift? He has to be down, he has to be down to Shinso being a wind-up merchant or Aizawa being far too hungover for this situation. Probably both. Aizawa shrugs, and Shinso's Pitying scoff puts a high-gloss finish on the bizarre role reversal they've settled into this morning. Pulling his phone out of his pocket like it's the most terrible chore in the world, Shinso rolls his eyes even more unnecessarily at Aizawa as he pulls up a number and calls, huffing impatiently as it rings. Hi, Ma. Shinso cuts himself off like he's already being talked over. No, I'm fine. I just need a lift. His gaze jumps back to Aizawa. There's someone I want to drop off on the way. There's a pause, which must mean a question. 
though what it could be isn't made much clearer by the infinitely amused grin that appears on his mouth. You could say that. Another pause. Yeah, I'll send you the address. See you soon. Shinso hangs up, which is when Aizawa fully digests the fact that he's going to meet Hitoshi's mother. Hungover. Fan-fucking-tastic. Aizawa's not in the mood for any alleyway scrapping, much less to be caught punching a kid when his mother rolls up. So Shinso plays with his phone, while Aizawa slumps slowly down the wall like a bucket of black paint, coagulating into a cross-legged pool on the floor. Trying to prepare himself for the reality of meeting Shinso's mother with a head like a box of broken glass, and mostly failing at it. Blinking slower and slower each time, like his eyelids are gathering rust, Aizawa certainly doesn't intend to drift off, but is lured by the persuasive thought to rest his eyes for just a moment, drunk on the soporific mid-morning sun that has finally become warm enough to soak into Aizawa's heat-swallowing mass of black hair and fabric. So instead of preparing himself to, for a get-your-shit-together first meeting with Shinso's mother, Aizawa ends up taking an inadvertent sun nap on the street as they wait for their ride to arrive. Someone even throws some change in his lap at one point, and he stirs at the sound of Shinso's scornful laughter before slipping right back under. Tips are always appreciated. Aizawa finally wakes up with Shinso kicking him in the leg and hissing with a touch of urgency, Get up! The car stopped in front of them would have been quite nice when it was bought, but that was clearly a long time ago, even if it's been well kept since then. The window rolls down, and a woman's voice with just a hint of a rasp to it calls out, Hitoshi? Aizawa's still standing up as he drags his palm across the coarse scratch of his stubble and terribly dry lips, and only appears above the edge of the car window when Shinso's mother asks, Where's your friend? Then the part of this that was meant to be a question drops off at the sight of Aizawa, which he doesn't blame her for. Shinso's mother is young for anyone with a teenage son, probably not that much older than Aizawa, a conventionally pretty lady who puts Shinso's cool beauties comment about Dr. Awaya in a far more logical context. Round eyes with the same purplish bags that Hitoshi has underneath them, and a kind of sadness that just can't be described. Her hair is fair lilac, practically silver, with just a hint of color where the light catches it. Whether that's natural or aging, maybe even stress-induced is anyone's guess. Although she has prominent cheekbones, a little plumpness to her jaw that softens her face more than the harsh angles of her estranged husband. What's plenty clear is that her expression is one of being sorely unimpressed at the adult she sees getting up from a nap on the pavement next to her son. Who are you? Shinso's mother demands with the attitude of someone who is not in the mood for fucking around. Which is good. Neither is Aizawa. Aizawa Shota, he answers clearly. I'm a teacher at UA. You said he was a friend, she addresses Shinso, who stopped looking at his phone and turns his attention back to the scene at hand. The, what the fuck do you call this, edge of his mother's tone might be a factor, because right now the former Mrs. Shinso is looking like Aizawa's lucky she won't run him over, much less give him a ride. I said you could call him that, Shinso echoes, sounding for once exactly like the teenager he is. Aizawa wonders if they can, he supposes, thinking about it in the logical components. He and Hitoshi have a formal relationship of sorts, but there's a lot of banter and familiarity that utterly flies in the face of even remotely strict arrangements. Most of the time, what he and Shinso have isn't anything close to formal. Basically a hot mess, much like Aizawa right now. I've taken on your son as an intern, 
as Owl offers, before he comes off entirely too dodgy to still catch a ride. He's got to get home, after all. So you're a hero, Shinso's mother deduces whip quick, as Awa nods. You won't have heard of me. I can believe that, his mother replies with lips pursed so tightly together her mouth could be used as a paperclip. Even so, she gazes at her son for a long moment and then sighs. You two better get in. Thank you. As Awa remembers his manners and bobs his head, waiting for Shinso to get into the passenger seat before he slinks into another back seat. Izawa and Shinso's decision to walk a block over from the crime scene to be collected seems a wise choice, given the already rocky grounds Izawa has started on with his interns, one responsible parent. Izawa supposes there aren't many people who have met Shinso's mother and father, then comes on to wondering if she knows about their soon-to-be visits to the dock. How much Shinso's mother knows about anything, for starters. However, that's not a conversation Aizawa is looking to start right now. After giving Shinso's mother the address of the bakery he uses as a close-to-home-but-not-home drop-off zone, also a good source of breakfast to bring back for the slumbering lion, Aizawa is facing out in the back seat when that rusty-toned voice shakes him out of the stupor he was happily sinking into. So, Aizawa. Shinso's mother starts with the determination of someone swinging a hammer at a very large window. You must be why my son's obsessed with murder lately. Perhaps not the reason, Aizawa considers in his own mind, but certainly an enabler. Hero work isn't all saving kittens and trees and daring last-minute rescues. He replies instead, crisper than a perfect autumn leaf. But then, she'd probably know all about dark sides. I couldn't agree more, responds Mrs. Shinso, if that's a name she even uses anymore. Aizawa ought to find out what he can call her. I realize it's the prerogative of sons to worry their mothers, but I'd have liked to have, but I'd have liked if he found a way to do it slightly less. Aizawa was no help there, so he doesn't say anything at all. Shinso's mother keeps up the pressure, which is easy on a captive audience. The air inside the car seems to tighten, like clothing that's been washed too hot and clings to Aizawa's body much more than when he first acquired it. Aizawa swears Hizashi does it on purpose. How long have you been a hero? As Ella attempts an accurate count, and quickly realizes he's far too hungover for that, I'm how old, quote, shit, long enough, over ten years, and I still haven't heard of you, Shinso's mother replies frostily. You must be unsuccessful or skilled at keeping a low profile. That's probably something this woman knows plenty about, keeping herself and her son out of her estranged husband's clutches before he was finally put in prison. Aizawa knows there is a fairly sizable gap from the time when Shinso and his mother left the dock and the date of the 99 massacre. A little over six years ago now. Shinso would have been, what, nine or ten years old? But Aizawa is yet to work out exactly how long it was. Shinso might have been around five when they left, long enough for his quirk to have developed and commenced the dock's infamous research that quickly drove their family apart. A story that Aizawa has seen the results of far too often, time and again throughout his tenure at UA watching the next generation of heroes inspired by both the best and worst that this generation has to offer. Define success, Aizawa replies trickily. Most of the people he saves are potential future victims who never know his name, and don't count towards any crime statistic or ridiculous popularity polling that apparently affects how good of a hero you are these days. It might not be successful in the ways that the media or entire horse and pony industry circus cares about, 
But what Aizawa does makes a difference. Writing injustices for the already dead might not invite much in the way of thanks, but Aizawa's put a lot of bad people away before they could hurt anyone else, and brought plenty of bittersweet comfort to bereaved families. He's a pro, ma. Shinso snaps and returned to his mother's niggling. It's what I've always wanted to do. Even if what Aizawa does specifically might not have been the thing mother or son would have imagined when he was growing up, but it's the best Shinso's got on offer right now, so Aizawa's doing his best. Shinso sure seems to love it. I know. Shinso's mother sighs, like a woman against insurmountable odds. So a normal mother, basically. Her eyes have found Aizawa's in the rearview mirror when she remarks, When Natoshi was accepted into general course, I thought he'd, that'd been the end of my sleepless nights. She doesn't look like she believes it, so Aizawa's not convinced either. And my dreams. Shinso bites like this is a familiar argument they're go about to tear into. Before he can become party to a domestic, Aizawa announces as easily as a remark about the weather. I disagree with the decision the school made about that. While he'd been falling asleep on the street earlier, Aizawa's wide awake now. More adrenaline coursing around his system than if he'd just taken a swan dive off a building. Driven for some strange reason by an urgency. A desperate need to declare. Your son deserves to be in the hero course. In wondering whether he should add what's on the tip of his tongue, Aizawa decides he surely should. That's why I agreed to take him on. And if you let anyone hurt him, I'll make you pay! Out of nowhere, there's a sensation of both ringing and deafening white noise. A blare in Aizawa's head that isn't spoken out loud so much as sounded like a foghorn stuffed inside his own mind. This jarring, all-wavelengths broadcast, broadcast shakes Aizawa more rudely awake than an electric cattle prod. Not to be recommended. Aizawa jerks bolt upright at the sensation of having someone burst into his mental living room and yell through a megaphone, and Itoshi snaps, Ma, I can hear you! Leave a mother at least some of her prerogatives. Shinso's mother bargains, like giving people a psychological shakedown is on that list. Although it apparently kind of is. Aizawa reaches for one of his ears out of instinct, finding it a lot stickier than he thinks an earlobe should be. Best case? Spilled cocktail. Worst case? Vomit. As I, was stumbling, as I was stumbling into thinking about whether Hisashi will drag him into the bath if he goes home, and how that might not be such a terrible thing, when Shinso's mother offers an unexpected, I'm sorry, I ought not to have sprung my quirk on you like that. Aizawa makes a vaguely noncommittal murmur, half tempted to use his own quirk just to prevent any more unwanted mental broadcasts like that terrifying scream inside Aizawa's head. What a legacy for a kid to draw on. Aizawa finds himself reflecting as the mood in the car falls back to pensive silence. If any of what Dr. Shinso believes about mentalist quirks is even remotely true, Shinso could have access to a greater capacity of his mentalist brain than both his parents combined. Other people's quirks, any that make it onto the damn hero course for one, get assessed and benchmarked for their strength, but it's never even occurred to Aizawa how anyone could quantify the strength of Shinso's quirk. Apart from the botched study when Shinso was five years old, there's never been a similar quirk on record, aside from Dr. Shinso's, and now Shioko's to some degree, but that went unregistered and may not even work the same way as Shinso's. All Aizawa can tell from being under the Shinso quirk's influence is that it's powerful. If Shioko could do what Shinso can, there's no telling how many more would have died by this point. Something they can all be glad for. It's not that I'm against Hitoshi becoming a hero. Shinso's mother seems to feel obligated to say out loud, 
defending an accusation she brought solely on herself. I just... worry. Azawa makes a point of being sure she's finished before he speaks again. That's only natural. He's trying not to fuck this thing up completely, but it's hard to do when he's already so independently fucked up. I should... thank you, I suppose. Shinso's mother fails in the attempt to make this sound sincere. They're still a little away from Aizawa's drop-off, and he has to fight himself not to check the time on his phone, like it'll have any bearing on how long it takes to get there, and this uncomfortable grilling can be over. Hitoshi's wanted this for such a long time. Part of me was relieved when he didn't get into the hero course, but I knew he wouldn't give up. Ma, you're literally embarrassing me, Shinso bemoans, but he doesn't seem too begrudging overall. Aizawa settles his hand against the window, resting his face against the glass in such a way that it's barely uncomfortable at all, enough to, tact enough to tactically doze his way out of making his abominable first impression any worse if he's lucky, although not without trying to salvage something from this wreck. There's no need for thanks. Aizawa might be a mess at first glance, and have a handful of change in his pocket acquired from being mistaken as homeless, but he can at least try to communicate his appreciation for his unofficial intern support. However, because Aizawa's been graded past the rind and pith by his hangover, all the way to the tart, juicy fruit of his raw brain, what this comes out as is an utterly unfiltered, I like having Hitoshi around. It feels natural in the moment to skip the Doc's titular name, igniting reference to a figure so loathed by both mother and son, but it's only when the swaying of the silent-swept car finally lulls Aizawa into a bleary, half-conscious sleep that he realizes he called Shinso Hitoshi, in front of both of his parents. They're about to cross in it at an intersection when a fight breaks out. What this means, practically speaking, is the scream of a car horn stirs Aizawa from a groggy sleep to disoriented wide awake in about two seconds. Another two seconds later, the car crossing the junction in front of them plows straight into the mammoth leg of a reptilian man-monster who is charging through the intersection after another figure entirely engulfed in thick smoke. Shinso's mother breaks hard, tires squealing as she tries to avoid smashing into the car in front. Shaking off the last vestiges of waking up to full-blown shit-on-the-fan scenario, Aizawa opens the car door he's been snoozing against and climbs out while they're still screeching to a halt just short of rear-ending the car that wraps around the creature's leg. The transference of momentum becomes a springboard for Aizawa to leap off, casting out a handful of his capture weapon as he launches himself into the fray. Aizawa activates his quirk on the cloud of smoke first choking it out as two tendrils of his capture weapon sneak around the brawny man in the cloud's center. Pulling the weapon tight as he continues flying through the air, Aizawa throws another strand of his capture weapon over the top of the lamppost and swings off it, yanking the smoker out of the clutches of the lizard man monster and hauling him in a neatly parceled bundle to dangle from the lamppost. By this point, when Aizawa drops to the ground and turns back around in the direction of the accident, Shinso's out of the car and facing down a reptilian man four times his height and several more his width who currently seems pretty pissed about the car bonnet clinging to his leg, like one half of a really unusual pair of chaps. However, when Aizawa fixes his quirk erasing glare on the scaly back, it immediately starts to shrink. This is why it pays to be sure what kind of quirk they're dealing with, because an assumed mutation quirk turns out to be transformation. In a matter of seconds, Shinso ends up standing head-to-head -head with a meek salaryman-type character, who looks rather ridiculous in his torn clothing, clutching his stretched-out underpants to stop them falling down around his scrawny ankles. As I was only taking a couple of steps over when Shinso punches the guy square in the jaw, just like he's been taught, and the man drops to the asphalt like a sack of shit he is. By the time Aizawa's gotten there, 
The more pressing issue is the driver of the wrecked car, unresponsive over the deflated airbag. We have to get her out of there, Aizawa tries the handle, and finding it locked or broken, smashes the driver's window with an elbow and reaches through to open the door from inside. The noise and movement rouse the woman in the car, who starts making sounds that increase in urgency as Aizawa reaches over her to tear the mangled seatbelt out of its fixture and lifts her out of the car. Shinso stays close as Aizawa backs out with the woman and sets her down on the ground. The cascade of fresh blood staining her slacks is hard to ignore. So is the whimper that upgrades to full hysterical wailing as Aizawa rips the leg of her pants to expose the wound. A piece of shrapnel from the impact is cut deep into the woman's thigh, perhaps even nicked the femoral, which means the situation is urgent and her panicked shrieking isn't going to help. Calm her down. Aizawa looks right at Shinso, banking on the kid understanding his implication. Shock and panic increase the heart rate, which will reduce the time she's got if they can't control the bleeding. Now. Shinso nods and then drops to his knees, leaning close over the woman. Can you hear me, ma'am? What's your name? After a few hazy moments, the woman's focus closes in on Shinso. I'm you. That's as far as she gets into answering before he takes control. She stills. To any bystander, there are a few. The change just could just be chalked up to Shinso's soothing tone. That... Help is here, Aura, of having heroes on the scene. The woman's face is no longer contorted into a panicked scream, mouth twitching into a transfixed Mona Lisa smile. But Aizawa's closer, so we can see her pupils dilate and then constrict, eyes becoming glassy as she's pulled into the numbing mental embrace of Shinso's quirk. Good. Shinso sounds relieved, after all. If he couldn't get a response, they'd be in much more trouble. Take a deep breath for me. Aizawa hears the long intake of breath from the woman as he yanks a tightly coiled strip of dressing off his utility belt, shaking it out with one hand before he checks the wound for any fragments still inside. The cut seems clean. It's just deep. That's perfect. Shinso keeps going while Aizawa spreads the wad of high-absorbency, sticky-sided dressing against the wound and presses down. And now out? Great. Just like that. Either Shinso has been taught, even self-taught, how to respond to a situation like this, or he's a natural at it. Aizawa feels the woman's pulse slowing from the frantic high before Shinso took control. Not to mention, she's not thrashing or screaming with the pain, and it surely has to hurt, but her panic won't help anyone. Hold this down, Aizawa instructs, and Shinso's hands slot between his quickly, the fingers overlapping as the task is handed over. Use all your weight. Her life might depend on it. I know, Shinso snaps but it's not at Aizawa or out of irritation, just a natural shortness that the situation calls for. I've got it, you can go. By the time Aizawa's gotten back up, the smoking chandelier hanging from the lamppost has turned into an empty loops of his capture weapon, so it's another few minutes chasing the culprit back down. Luckily, he leaves a pretty conspicuous trail. Aizawa vaults a few cars and dives between some, fran some traffic before he finally gets a clean shot, lassoing the fleeing cloud by an ankle so that he face plants on the road and knocks himself out on impact. By the time Aizawa has dragged both fighters back to the scene of their crime on the lengths of his capture weapon, an ambulance has arrived. Shinso is locked into concerned conversation with one of the paramedics, while the woman is carried into the ambulance. Yet again, Shinso's managed to touch bloody hands to his face at some point, leaving an ugly red smear across one temple all the way to his ear. When Aizawa approaches, he can just make out the tail end of the paramedic saying something about, don't know what you did, but she's very lucky, before his presence derails the conversation. Are you the hero? The paramedic asks immediately, and Aizawa nods. 
This young man has given a statement already, so if you'd be willing to sign it, then we'll have the situation fully under control. We don't need to wait for the police, Izawa queries, and the peppy young paramedic shakes his head. If you're happy handing custody over to me, I can supervise the, un the restrained criminals until the police arrive. The paramedic seems utterly thrilled by this responsibility, or maybe he's just jazzed to be interacting with the hero. The ambulance shoots away with sirens blaring, while this first responder waits near his car, acting as kind of an interim handler and nice stand-in for Aizawa, who doesn't want too many people realizing here is unlicensed intern had any involvement with the situation, even if it's to save the friggin' day. What do you think? Shinso turns to ask Aizawa, and doesn't seem convinced. Resisting the urge to rub the side of Shinso's head with a sleeve is a serious temptation, but Aizawa manages to remain on topic and directs his gaze to the paramedic. If you think you can handle it. Yes, sir. The paramedic shoots back in a way that reminds Aizawa instantly of Yamaguchi. She might have a brother, for all Aizawa knows. If you help me secure them, then I'll keep watch until the police arrive. Aizawa nods and then quickly goes over to give a practical lesson on the correct way to lock people up with cable ties, for Shinso and the paramedic both. Finally, they dump the unconscious criminals by the paramedic's car and return to Shinso's mother, who is parked by the roadside while the traffic is hurried around, the wrecked car stranded in the middle of the crossing. The streak of blood Shinso has inadvertently decorated himself with makes his mother's frightened gasp understandable when they first approach. Given the rest of the blood drenching Shinso's hands, he figures out what she's so shocked by quickly enough. Don't worry, he assures his mother, word by word, with an excuse as I was given his ashi many a time. It's not my blood. She is slack-jawed at the normal presentation of all this. Aizawa notices Shinso's mother is smoking by following the fragrant wisp to her hand. Without really thinking about the flow of conversation, he interrupts to ask, Can I have a cigarette? Oh? Yes, I suppose. Shinso's mother replies a little disjointedly, fumbling in her purse for a crumpled pack that she offers to Aizawa. Tamakawa kept the pack Yamaguchi picked up earlier, and Aizawa can't be expected to just stand there watching someone smoke without being able to partake. Thanks. Aizawa leans in with the filter between his lips and waits until Shinso's mother produces a light, sparking the flame while Aizawa shields it from the wind with his hands. Although the sun is shining, a rousing breeze kicks off and swirls and eddies around them, shifting the lingering smell of smoke given off by broken car engines and apprehended criminals. Aizawa pulls on his cigarette as it lights and then stands back up, releasing the drag and slowly beginning to unwind from the recently passed madness. Sure as shit put enough adrenaline through his system to clear out some of that hangover. Some of it. Aizawa turns to Shinso and indicates the side of his face with an energy level that's practically undead. You have something here. Shinso's hand flies up to his face and immediately hits the dried blood he got up there. He rubs it unsuccessfully for a moment before giving up, and instead relates to Aizawa. The paramedic said whatever we did to keep her calm, it probably saved her life. You did it. I just told you to. Aizawa replies coolly, sure to place credit where it's due without necessarily admitting to exactly what happened. It's still illegal, after all. Shinso's mother glances at her son, before settling a questioning gaze on Aizawa, but it's best not to dwell on who ordered whom to use their quirk on a civilian without a license, even if it did potentially save a woman's life. I think I owe you an apology. Shinso's mother phrases very carefully, indeed, as she takes another pull on her cigarette with anxious hands. Not quite, I'm sorry, but enough to admit that she must have judged Aizawa harshly if there's something to make up for. I understand why Hitoshi wants to work with you now. 
But for all that's true, if Aizawa had been alone in this situation, things might have turned out very different. Shinzo's quirk and reliable pair of hands count for plenty, and Aizawa's not too proud to admit it. That's why Aizawa finishes a no-nonsense drag on his cigarette, and with his eyes on Shinzo, simply remarks, The feeling's mutual. When Aizawa finally gets home, bearing a box of fresh pastries and hot drinks, coffee for him, matcha latte for Hizashi, he discovers his best beloved is still in bed, which is so unlike Hizashi, it can only mean one thing. Hearing Aizawa move around the bedroom, the sorry-for-itself mound in the middle of the bed lets out a groan, and then with perfect clarity announces, I'm so fucking hungover. You're hungover, Aizawa growls. All Hizashi has done is sleep. Aizawa's been up since fuck o'clock checking out gory crime scenes and breaking up rush hour punch-ups while he meets his intern's mother. And he's hanging just as bad as Hizashi. Probably more. Hizashi rolls over enough to emerge from underneath the mess of drunk, sweaty sheets. A pair of eyes fix on Aizawa, but not Hizashi's own emerald pair. It's inked eyes that rest their unblinking gaze on Aizawa, belonging to a traditionally styled lion, golden mane and sharp teeth bared, which spans Hizashi's entire upper back. So Yakuza that Hizashi has occasionally had to prove he's one of the good guys before he's been allowed into certain bathhouses. I brought breakfast, Aizawa offers as he sets down his delicate cargo and starts to unzip himself, airing out the inside of his jumpsuit with a feeling like a tropical greenhouse mixed with a tidal salt cave. The tattooed lion ripples as if roaring when Izashi rolls his shoulders and stretches into a squishy, won't-say-what-it-costs mattress. I love you. Izashi gurgles like a drain and rolls again, lifting an arm. It remains aloft like the mast of a sinking ship until Izawa crawls into bed, slotting into place before Hizashi curls around him. Ugh. He grunts as Izawa gets closer. You smell like an ashtray full of garbage. I had to work this morning. Hizashi's no spring flower himself, but Aizawa's sure he wins at this particular fragrance contest. He buries his face against the patchwork hot plate of Hizashi's skin, slotting around him so that his cheek rests on Hizashi's chest, and it's almost as if the heartbeat Aizawa hears comes from the tattoo, and not the real deal inside his lover's ribcage. Aizawa draws a deep breath and lets it out, finally allowing himself to relax. How's work? Hizashi asks, as his fingers play a chaotic rhythm along Aizawa's arm. Aizawa sighs again. Nothing worth talking about. Are you sure? Hizashi doesn't probe much, which means he has to be a little more than casually interested if he's actually prying. Aizawa tallies up the exertion of packing up everything that's going on and parceling it out to Hizashi, and then compares it to pushing all that shit away and being at peace for a while, taking his own damn good advice to rest while he's got the chance. Yeah, Aizawa answers, hearing his voice resonate in Hizashi's chest, like the reassurance will have more traction that way. Everything's fine. You only say that when it isn't, Hizashi points out with a touch of irritation, but he is ingloriously hungover, so he probably realizes that this isn't the time to get into it. But alright, have it your way. He shoves Aizawa off, if only to sit up and reach across the bed for his matcha latte pressing a kiss to Aizawa's forehead as he flops back down and takes a long slurp. Thanks for breakfast. Aizawa tunes his ear back to Hizashi's heartbeat and swears to himself he'll get around to explaining all this soon. Hizashi deserves it, even when Aizawa doesn't always deserve Hizashi. You're welcome.